Hey and welcome to the Curious Cult Show. You are currently listening to a curiously quarantined live recorded episode. These were recorded in front of a live audience digitally on a webinar. So please don't look for the chats, don't look for the questions, just enjoy me and the guests talking about really interesting things and obsessing over our curiosities. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please give us a like, a rating, a review, and a share everywhere you can possibly think. That's what keeps me curious and interested. And for now, enjoy the talk. Cool. We're live um, and streaming. I am sitting with Fahim, uh, who we just discussed. We have known each other since uh, he was 10. So that's about 20 years now, uh, which yeah. is pretty crazy, all thanks to his sister, who is actually, I think, on this live stream. Serena, hi. Thanks for putting us together. Um, so before I ask Fahim to introduce himself, I am going to tell you about this platform if you have never been on one of these business streams before. My name is Nick Haralambis. I am an obsessive entrepreneur. Um, I'm doing these business streams to help other entrepreneurs, business owners, and like-minded people deal with the shit that we're going through because we often are not very good at talking about the things we go through. So the platform itself is called Crowdcast. At the bottom of the screen, I think it's over there, there is an ask a question button. Uh, if you want to ask us a question, just please click ask a question and put it in there, not in the chat, so that we can see it and answer it and vote it up. Um, if you are here and you can hear us, please give us a wave in the chats and say hi, tell us where you're from. And uh, while you're doing that, Fahim, why don't you tell everyone who you are and why we should be listening to you? Hi. So I don't know why you should be listening to me. <laughs> Thank you, I am. Um, hi, everybody. And uh, thanks for joining. My name is Fahim. Uh, I'm, the, I'm a partner and managing director at MNC Sachi Able, uh, which is an ad agency. Um, but we like to think of, of ourselves more as a creative company because uh, these days you, just, you don't know where, where creative ideas go. Sometimes they're ads and sometimes they're other things. Um, but yeah, that's what I do. And I suppose that's why Nick wanted to chat. Cool. Um, yeah, it's, I actually haven't spoken to anyone. Uh, actually, I lie. I spoke to Mike Sharman, uh, but he does not strike me as the traditional kind of guy that you talk to in the agency space. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to talk to you very specifically about this kind of big agency, creative business, um, branding, marketing, and where things are going to change. Uh, I hate the statement new normal. I don't think new normal is a thing. I think it's just a different kind of normal. But yeah, yeah I'm interested in this conversation about how you do creative remotely, which we'll get into. Um, but to kick things off, um, how's the lockdown been for you? It's two months now. Um, yeah. I assumed you were alone, but you're not, which is great. So tell me about how it's going. Yeah, cool, man. Um, so I mean, it's a crazy thing. It's day 50, I think we're in now. Um, so that's quite mad. Feels like a, a bit of a milestone. Uh, I think overall, doing, doing okay. Um, I think that there are, you go through phases. You have days where you sort of feel like in a, you're in a bit of a rhythm and you're getting used to things and other days where you sort of pause and, and go, is this really happening? It's sort of how I am with Donald Trump. Like sometimes I'm used to it and I go, is he really president of America? It's like the same, the same experience. <laughs> You go yeah. through that. Like, so, no, bullshit. Can't be. It can't be. So that's ridiculous. I mean, are you joking? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that sort of happens. Uh, but on the whole, I think doing well, obviously grateful that I'm still able to work and that gives you some sort of purpose in your day and, and, and gives you something to do. Um, and yeah, the, my best mate also runs a, a company in a different industry. So we decided to do lockdown together. Um, I think as a social creature, I would have 
I would have uh, I would have been at my edge by fifty. I would have struggled a lot. Uh, you can so. plug his business. You, you said he he makes ice creams. Do we should we know this company? He, he makes ice cream. Well, it's a manufacturing business called Polar Ice Cream. So they, I mean, if you've ever had an ice cream in a, in any of the Spur Group's restaurants, you've had his ice cream. Easiest way to talk. Yeah. Amazing. So, now we know. Yeah. Um, exactly. Cool. So let's get into like some of the stuff that's really interested me about talking to you. Um, you only recently took over as MD of MNC Sashi, and you did it when you were 29. I mean, before the age of 30 is quite an achievement. Um, but holy fuck, what a time to be a leader. Um, to take on a team uh, at this point, like wartime. I mean, it's not war, but it feels like a wartime scenario. Um, what's it been like, man? You dove right in, you relocated from London, and then what? Yeah, so it's been, it's funny. It's, it feels like it is a few weeks ago, but it's just under a year. Um, yeah. And, and that, that time has flown. I think when you, when you step into your, your first leadership role of scale, um, I think you sort of wonder, you know, what is it about? What are the new new challenges that you face? Um, I think in that time, um, you know, we were already a, a reasonably sized agency, uh, but since that time, we've we've doubled in size. So the first challenge wow. was was growth and managing growth, and and really that meant a reset of a lot of the company operationally. Um, you know, how you build culture at 120 people is different from how you build it at 60. Uh, and all those type of things. So I think from the start, if I'm honest, I was thrust into into really the heart of what leadership is, which is not leading at a normal time. Um, the business was going through a great growth phase, so that already I think puts you in a in a mode where you're challenged to go like, what type of leader are you? You have to quickly figure out what are your values. Um, and some of the great advice that I actually received from from people as I was getting into the role were you know things like. Um, you know, you, you can be whoever you are, um, be, a, be a nice guy, be an asshole, but be consistent. Um, it was one of the pieces of advice that I thought was, was really important. And so I think yeah. start getting into all these uh, reflective moments. Um, and, and, and I've just found myself, even just personally, uh, asking a lot of those bigger questions about who you are, how you sort of handle yourself, what do you care about, etc. And then when this all hit, um, it's then the time to put all of that to play is the truth. Um, it's sort of, as Irma sort of thinking about it, it's, it's time to act because I'm sure all, all business people um, who are watching and um, or, or who, we've, who we'll speak to afterwards uh, realize that this time is about trade-off and about sacrifices and priorities. That's the way you get through this. Um, you know, survival is about those things and that quickly becomes... Uh, what type of leader are you and what type of organization do you want to run? Um, and I think my attitude to it has been uh, how you behave when times are easy will uh, dictate how you uh, can handle things when they're not. Um, I think people for the first time thinking about how to prioritize their people or one of those things are probably finding those cracks are gaping holes now. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I think it's been about uh, just sticking to the things I've been thinking about um, and and putting them into practice. Um, and but like, just yeah, quickly, how, how long have you been on the job? So it's been just under a year, about 10 months. Um, so I've been in lockdown of the time I've been back, I was telling you. And so that's one of the time. That's crazy. Wow. Um, yeah, it's an incredible thing to have a company double in size and get into lockdown uh, and then manage a remote team while you're scaling. I mean, you mentioned to me just while we were off air that 
most of some of your team haven't even met each other in real life and have been yeah. hired recently. So yeah, so I mean, part of what what's been quite a strange experience is we've um, we've sort of continued our, our growth during this period, and I can maybe talk to why a little bit later. But it's meant that we've we've been in a hiring mode uh, during this time. So I think that, you know a lot of businesses, understandably so, are on pause or um, have had to make some some cuts, etc. But we were hiring. So some people that are part of our company, very much so, um, we've never met. Uh, we post the vacancies digitally. We interviewed them digitally. And they've started digitally um, and have built relationships with colleagues uh, through Microsoft Teams, which is the platform we're using. Um, and uh, it's quite amazing to go. There'll be a moment when um, we slowly start to get back to the office uh, where it's going to be this strange reunion. You know, some people, you know, some you've never met. It's like pen, it's the modern day thing of pen pals. It's like, yeah. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how that all plays out, but it's been fascinating. But proof that it's possible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, th I think if you've got the right people around you, then definitely proof that it's possible. Um, I want to just hark back to something you mentioned that, you know, you've been asking yourself these big questions and thinking about what kind of leader you're going to be and, and how it all fits together. Um, so I'm researching my third book uh, around curiosity, and I've interviewed a lot of really interesting people Starbucks founder and the electronic arts founder. And one of the questions I asked them is, how do you put these big questions into your day? Do you set time aside in your week to like contemplate and think, or is it just something that's constantly in the back of your mind? Because I personally believe people get lost in the detail of their day and don't, there's a saying that you, I'm sure you know, uh, most entrepreneurs work in their businesses and struggle to work on their businesses. Yes. And like that, that for personal growth is valid too. So how do you cope with that? So I have a thing I do called like habit blocking, which is I, I choose the things that are, are really important to me and I block time uh, for those things. I think I, I really don't like uh, the term time management. I think it is like credit by management consultants to make everyone really efficient and like cogs in a, a machine, which I despise. Yeah. I much rather like focus on being effective. And for me, being effective is about managing your energy. You know, we all have cognitive bandwidth every for every day and the moment you wake up every act that you do takes a little bit of that away it's just how we are yeah me, getting up a little bit earlier and it's just blocking a little bit of time before the emails go before social media goes wild etc to go uh to contemplate those things some days i'll choose a whole week to think about the same thing if i haven't resolved it um, and sometimes i think about different stuff and some days i just struggle to think about anything but the yeah. time is set for that because um, otherwise you, you're 100% right. Once you press go on a day, uh, I mean, my like 15 minute increments for nine or hours in a row, it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's intense. Um, okay. So, what, what's been the hardest adjustment for you as a leader in this wartime? Uh, what's the, the specific thing that you've struggled with the most? Yeah, I think for me, it's actually quite a personal thing, which is. Um, I think part of, you know, leading in this time and, and part of our model is we're a partner model. So it doesn't squarely fall on me at the top of the pyramid. We're very much flatly structured like, you know, an architecture firm or a law firm. So we're lots of partners who, who, who work together. Uh, and part of that has been, you know, in the beginning that uh, we chose to play into um, being clear, pragmatic and not to push into the narrative of uncertainty here. And I think that's really important when you've got 350 people in the group, 
you've got a host of clients whose businesses are being impacted in every way you can imagine. So, you know, leading in that time, you have to, to get through that for the sake of the business and the people. And I think it was only in week three where I realized, like, I haven't actually thought about how I'm doing period because I've just been focusing on the job and I was feeling a bit burnt out and tired. So I took, I was lucky it was around Easter holiday. So I just took the long weekend just to reset myself. And that was quite hard, I think, because that subconsciously I probably wasn't coping with what's going on. It's like crazy. The world is falling apart. But you know, you've got a role to play that's about bigger than just sort of high feeling. So that's, uh, it's not a, it's not a, like, it's quite a personal thing. You've got to take it on. And you know, as anyone or leading can be lonely at times. And I think when, when you're emerging at a time of crisis, you probably can get through things and advise and guide and keep everyone else together. But sometimes you neglect yourself. Uh, and so I think that was quite a big adjustment. We were in the office, you're with the other partners, you can learn chatting, whatever. You, you get that um, social stimulation. Uh, but when you're doing it on your own, then you, you can forget about yourself. Uh, it's, it seems strange, but it happens. Yeah, I uh, I don't know if you do see a psychologist, but I do. And uh, I'd actually avoided seeing him while I've been in lockdown. And I saw him again for the first time last week, Monday. And I hadn't realized how dramatically I had been avoiding dealing with being in a pandemic by working. I'd literally just ignored that it was a thing. I was just sitting and working every day like nothing had happened and not yeah. dealt with the fact that we were in lockdown. And he was like, dude, you've been in prison for eight weeks like everyone else. Deal yeah. with that shit. And yeah. that, that just like set me off. I was like, oh, shit. And this yeah. week I had one of those weeks that I'm sure everyone has had, right? I couldn't bring myself to not be depressed about something. And I don't know what. I was yeah. just depressed. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I get that. And, and as leaders, we generally neglect ourselves first, which is counterintuitive at what we do. Yeah, totally. totally. Okay. Um, tell me about your team. Like you yeah. doubled in size, you are an agency that's creative. If anyone's read Creativity Inc., um, yeah. Steve Jobs is famous for throwing people physically, bumping them into each other across the room, just so that they kind of interact with each other and spark this creativity. How is yeah. your team coping with remote work? Yeah, you know what? It's um, it's actually blown me away um, because we we all joke as as the partners, we like it only took a a global pandemic to push the advertising industry to become relatively flexible. Um, and it goes for most creative businesses. Yeah. But the truth is we were forced into it. So there was a cutoff date, there was a time, and the next day we had to run a business in a way we've never run across two cities and 350 people. Um, yeah. Where we approached it was twofold. The one was the tech and platform support that people need just to be able to operate and to do their jobs. Um, and that was through Microsoft Teams. And, um, you know, we, we went from not even using that as our intranet platform, really, to using it as what, what I call our virtual office. So, you know, we tried to think about it not as a platform to uh, communicate, but as a virtual office. So that's the first thing, was enabling people to operate. The second was then the emotional support. And that was actually really critical to go, this is not just about everyone going, cool, everyone download Microsoft Teams and away you go. This is like a big thing that's happening to people. So how do we keep up really clear communication with staff? So, you know, uh, Exco would meet after every president's speech, no matter what time it, it ended or started, um, and we'd form our point of view on it. And the next day, we'd have an all-staff meeting, a live event on Microsoft Teams where we go, this is what it means for everyone. Um, you know, when we're at the agency, I have a, a we have breakfast together every Wednesday as staff, and I update everyone on, 
on the company and you know share cool stuff we're up to um, welcome new people sing happy birthday whatever it is um, and we've just continued to do that every single week through Microsoft awesome. Teams we're creating an opportunity for people to still bond um, and that allows people to to really look after each other and, and keep in touch and it's been funny how things have spun off uh, from that you know people have taken it upon themselves to then create you know Netflix movie clubs where staff are getting together on their own and, and watching something together. So the whole thing is just spiraled and I'm just like, wow, you know, I'm quite blown away. And yeah. there are things though. It's not all rosy. There's no doubt about it. We're a creative business. It's about sparking ideas off each other. It's being in each other's presence. Um, that, that means a lot. And I think to, you know, a lot of our, our creative teams, they work in pairs. They work in teams. Um, and they're not in teams right now. They are, well, they're using teams, but they're not in their team. <laughs> nice, yeah. And, uh, and you know, people are doing it in, di- in, di- in, different, in different ways. Some people are, um, you know, brainstorming separately then coming together and discussing. Some are brainstorming live on teams and doing really long calls. Um, but overall, the fact that we are still able to operate is, is really the, the main point. And... Um, and people are, you know, they're rising to the occasion, which has blown me away, to be honest with you. Incredible. Um, this, you can feel free to not answer this because it might put you on the spot. But are you seeing weaker members of your team struggling to cope? Uh, and the thing in my head here is A players attract A players, B players attract C players all the way down to Z. So surely out of 350 people, they aren't all just taking to it like it was nothing. No, absolutely not. But ironically, it's not as, as clean cut or binary as, as, what, as what you've seen. So perhaps, you know, some people who are, are strong in the office are not on digitally. And some people who might struggle in the office because there's too much people, those and interaction are flourishing. So it hasn't yeah. pulled out you know, things in, in that binary away. Um, you know, there's some people who the reason why they work in a creative business in an office is because they are social extroverts and feed off everyone's energy. Those people, no matter how talented, are they, their power is somewhat diminished right now because the inspiration, their ideas, their motivation uh, aren't there. So sure. it hasn't been cut as that, and 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 of course there are uh, difficulties in in performance. You know, it's difficult to to necessarily manage all parts of the operation as we would previously. It does rely on on people um, over communicating, and that's sort of the stance we've taken. So. Okay. Um, scheduling meetings to to enable those those things those conversations to happen versus um hoping they do um but and the large part um you know all the controls are there etc so you can see when things are dipping and they've also you know there's also a lot of understanding from clients to go you know we are moving into a tiny way of operating so sometimes Mm -hmm. a bit longer or we won't nail it um but you know we'll be trying to all the time um, and it's sort of that, I think it's a thing of, of it's, it's, a, it's been a very equalizing experience. Everyone, no matter who you are, whether you are employed or not, whether you are CEO or intern or whatever you are, fundamentally, you are going through the same thing. Um, yeah. and actually quite a, I hope that's going to be one of the takeouts of this whole period. It's just a little bit more humanity and that understanding of, you know, you're not unbeatable. Cut your ego to size and, you know, roll with it. Well, I, I think uh, I think you're living in a utopian world. I think most humans are not as nice as you want them to be. Um, but let's let's not get sidetracked onto that one. Um, while while we've got a quick break here, please look below. I've added two polls. Answer them. 
Um, the first one is, are you spending money on marketing and advertising right now? Oh, I've got a spelling error in that. Let me fix that before I embarrass myself. Um, and then the second one is, what tech are you using for collaboration? Slack, Microsoft Teams, Workplace, Hangouts, all of them or Zoom? You can tell me. Um, and then ask a question. Uh, should we take a question from someone while we're at it? Um, it's a long question. Uh, they launched a B2B startup um, and need to get their value proposition out there. No idea where to start. Considering a press release tool um, and social reach monitoring, but wondering if journals even care about getting these types of emails or should this person and get an agency to assist? What do you think? Okay. Yeah, interesting. Shall I reply in video versus commenting? Yeah. No, you can give us give us the answer right now. Yeah, yeah cool. So um, let's start by looking at the category. So B2B startup, tech digitization, aut automation stuff. Um, well, the first thing is it's good that you have a value proposition because usually we're just throwing, <laughs> throwing things out there and seeing what sticks. So while well on that first step, I think um, it largely depends on, on what sector you are. So B2B is obviously you know a, a massive thing. Um, I think your your benefit right now, if you are in the in the online space, is people are spending more time online, a lot more time, um, on social media. They're also spending more time uh, watching TV. But as a startup, I think uh, you should look at um, where your audience sits. A big mistake a lot of B two B businesses make is they just go into business publications. They're like, we need to go into LinkedIn because that's where entrepreneurs are. Entre the people on LinkedIn are also humans who talk like Nick and and can be found elsewhere. So it's quite important not to box yeah. yourself into um, just places where you can buy B2B. In fact, more now, uh, business audiences are focusing on being parents and on fulfilling other roles and are watching movies with their kids. So you might be able to catch them in places where um, you didn't perhaps usually think of finding your audience. So, like YouTube pre-roll ads on kids shows. Correct. So you know, Disney are, are one of the brands that I think have, have really nailed it and that they made. Yeah made you know premium available and, and frozen two was available to everyone so parents were able you know that had a lot of value to parents many ceos yeah. many people in the b2b space so yeah my recommendation would be to start with um really understanding your audience not in terms of the business they're in but the people they are and, and where you could find them and then i think you, you can get your value proposition out to them online right now it's a good time yeah, I want to add to that um, coming from the journalistic perspective, what I know working quite closely with the Daily Maverick and a whole bunch of other um, journos, they don't have time to be very clear. Like they're understaffed at the best of times. Now their job has exponentially increased. Their resources are detrimentally lessened. So if you just send them an email going, hey, here's my press release, no chance. There is literally no chance they're going to write about that at all. You have to kind of do something a bit more different. Uh, engage with them on Twitter, like add value. And I think yeah. this is a key thing around PR and marketing that a lot of people misunderstand is you can't just sell. Like you have to add value and then tell people why you're solving their problem. And that for a startup is the key thing, right? Startups, your main advantage is you're solving a problem that no one else is solving or you're more nimble than anyone else is. So I would say try not go the traditional PR routes. You're just going to waste your money at this point. One other thought for that for that person while I have it is yeah. we're also seeing an increase in people just searching for stuff right now. There's a little bit more time. You know, you're watching the kid. The kid's watching a movie. You don't want to watch the movie. You're Googling yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. so your best investment might be in, in actually nailing the points in the search journey that your business pops up um, instead of spending money on advertising. 
um, get your search sorted out first is probably a good good start. Oh man, like that's such a basic thing that most people get wrong, right? Is organic traffic is your most valuable, get your search right and the rest will follow. So spend time now, you've got time and eyeballs are cheaper than they are or they're going to be when we go back to work, right? Yeah. There's, there's fewer people spending, the bids are lower and your competition is lessened and people are heightened like Fahim said in the beginning. Okay, let's um, push on. Um, yeah. So... We, we spoke about your team and your, your, you as a leader. I'm not curious about the agency's relationship with their clients. Like mm -hmm. that must have fundamentally changed because I know a lot of your service happens face-to-face. -face. Don't yeah. worry, Tiger Brands. I'm going to come to you and show you that I care and sit in your boardroom and pat you on the back. Like that can't happen now. So how are you engaging with clients? Yeah, so it's happening at, at all levels. Um, and I think overall... You know, there are there are some meetings that you just have your weekly rhythm meetings with clients, you know, update statuses. Those are just happening on tech platforms and they're happening pretty well and pretty efficiently, actually, because instead of spending the time traveling, you know, driving from from Houghton to Bryanston, you go straight onto teams. You've saved half an hour, um, which yeah. is amazing. So it's in that way it's efficient. Um, there are a few things that I think... Um, we, we're doing to make them feel as personal as possible because what happens when no one has video on is you're having a phone conversation from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. I can't stand it. I'm like, I need to see you. So beginning of meetings, you know, this is proven psychologically to help the connection. You have a lot of people on the line and you're worried about, you know, the drag. Everyone, you switch on your camera in the beginning, you say hi, you connect, you remember each other, and then you carry on with the conversation. So we continue with clients in that way. <clears throat> there's a really funny thing which has happened, which is as everyone is at home and facing these challenges, there's amazing humanity that's come through it. So, you know, I had a meeting last week with a, a top sort of C-suite client of mine and, you know, sits on boards and Excos. And our video call was while she, while she was making a lamb curry for her and her daughter. Uh, in her I love that. Yeah. And, and we were just talking about what we're going to do with the brand and, and, and changing strategies. And it was the most human and amazing. So in, in that way, relationships have deepened, to be honest with you, with some clients. They really have because there's a shared experience. Um, and with others, you know, it's, 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 it's an efficient enough way to communicate. You know, can we do the in-person thing? No, but no one can right now. So has it been a good enough alternative? Yeah, I think it has. I, you know, I absolutely love that story because what I think makes us better at work is the fact that we're human. The fact that we have, and this is exactly what I'm researching in my book, the fact that we're curious about other things, the fact that we have hobbies, we have children, we like to cook, it makes yeah. you a better person at your job. And ignoring that when you're at work, it doesn't add anything to our relationship. So I'm so yeah. happy to hear that. Like that, that that lady just showed you who she was and was like, this is what I got, man. I'm making dinner. You, if you want to have a meeting now, this is what's up. This is what you got. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. So, yeah, that's great. There's one other interesting yeah. Besides our, our, our current clients, um, the climate's allowed us to do a few things uh, in terms of prospecting. So what we've done is, uh, you know, we hosted a live event. So our, our strategy partners did a piece of thinking on, on COVID. Um, what did they think the response is going to be? And what does that mean for brands? And we hosted a live event. Um, we had people from uh, over 500 people join from... Oh, I'm going to misquote, but I want to say 60, pla 60 different places. Okay. Um, we had New York, we had Australia. We've never engaged with marketing directors in Australia, New York, and London, really. Um, yeah. But they were in the topic. So 
you know, there, of course there are challenges, but if you open your eyes, there are a lot of amazing things happening um, in our sector. I understand for many businesses um, that's not the reality, but, you know, we are fortunate in that, you know, everyone needs to know how to communicate in crisis and out of crisis. And um, so they're quite up for that conversation. Yeah, and look, we'll definitely in a few minutes get into that a little bit deeper. Um, so in terms of working with your clients, obviously some of them have suffered, right? Some of them don't have budgets. Uh, some of them are pulling retainers. Um, how are you kind of dealing with that and helping them out? Is it quite a brutal cutthroat thing? Like, I'm sorry, you can't pay me, fuck off. Or is it like, let's work together to get you back on the road? Yeah, so, um, you know, every business right now, every sector's uh, context is different. Uh, some have an increased need to communicate. So, you know, one of the clients that I work very intimately with in, in Joburg is Standard Bank. And, you know, they led a lot of the conversation in the sector around payment relief, debt holidays, what, what are the plans for small businesses? They have a need to communicate even more now because they have to, you know, they've got millions of customers, uh, business customers, et cetera, who they've got offers for and products for to help them through this time. So that's been an increase, in fact. Others, yeah. now. Nando's was closed. There was no Nando's um, at yeah. all. Um, and therefore, you know, they have to look at where can they save budget. And, and, and the reality of that was uh, Nando's still has to communicate because it's Nando's. Uh, yeah. We had to be more resourceful and smart. So instead of doing a winter TV commercial 360 campaign, we looked to how can we go to Twitter and still engage people and push new product and new conversations out there. So yeah. the thing is around... We're saying to clients, the worst thing you can do is stop. We've got to find a way to continue to talk and to, to continue to communicate, whether that means being more resourceful or it means doing a little bit less. Um, but, you know, it's been proven during many crises. So during the two, 2008, 2009 crisis and many others, that the worst thing you can do for your brand is stop to communicate because um, you succumb to short-termism then. And when we come out the other side, you're totally no out of mind. No one yeah. knows you. The, the pie might be smaller, but there'll still be a pie, and you've got to know. You've got to, you know, you've got to, you've got to find a way. Some clients have cut budgets, and understandably so. Um, and that, you know, further on does have a knock-on. But what what we've just done is is looked at how we can um, instead of doing ads right now, which costs money, how can we help them do strategies and rethink about what they need to do on the other side um, instead of doing, okay. yeah. And has that meant uh, the, the shift kind of internally to slightly more strategy or um, crisis management post this, has that meant retooling some of your team? And like, are they receptive to that? Like, has it do whatever it takes to make this business work? Or screw you, I'm a designer, I'm not touching that. No, I mean, largely, we, I mean, the, the skills we have are quite broad. So it more, it more just means depending on what week we're in, that we might lead more heavily on, on some departments than others based on the overall request from clients. Um, it isn't necessarily reskilling. I think there has been um, a lot of, uh, I suppose for a lot of our people, there's been enough uh, change in just getting to operate in their previous skills in this new way. So there wasn't really a need to now add uh, new things on top of that. It's sort of enough for people to deal with, yeah. Okay. Um, they've got two questions from the audience. Uh, let's start with the top one. Uh, how do you justify marketing spend to brands who can't trade fully as normal? For instance, a hotel or a fast food client? Like what is your communication with them? So um, I think justify spend. I think the, first, the starting point wouldn't be to justify spend. It would be to ask if spend is necessary. Uh, I think that's really okay. important. It's not about, a, you know, everyone needs to spend. I think hotel brands right now, you know, they've got no revenue at all. So 
uh, perhaps not spending money on, on advertising and perhaps doing things for staff, rather repurposing um, that budget to keep people uh, in jobs. And that, in, in result, when we come out, will be a positive story about your business. Um, mm. our food, I, I use Nando's, for example. They weren't trading, but um, Nando's has a role to play in the country in that they provide positive, you know, positive um, conversation and relief to South Africans. So it's really yeah. important. People wanted to hear from Nando's. In fact, when we said we were closing, the amount of tweets that we got to say, please don't close your Twitter. Like, we want to keep talking to Nando's. Wow. You can't deal with not having Nando's for talking, like tweeting and, and taking the piss out of people for two months. So wow. in that, it was really important. Um, but I, yeah, I don't think the starting point is justifying spend. It's going, where else can spend help the business survive? Um, and if marketing is part of that, then great. But it's not about spend at all costs. Yeah, I think square peg round hole, right? So you've got to adapt for the scenario that you're in and you can't just retroactively shove the same strategy at a new situation. No, you can't. Um, yeah, Dave. Um, Dave. Hi, Dave. Good to see you. Um, the, the, let's answer the second one first uh, about the regional agency exec response regarding suppression, revenue expectations and forecast for the group. That is a very agency specific question that I don't even really understand. So I'll hand over to you. Uh, where's it gone? It's, um, I think it's just below the first question. Uh, what is the regional agency's exec response? Regional, okay. Uh, regarding suppressing revenue expectations and forecast for the group. Have you seen a pullback from clients? and Cool. Um, so, yeah, look, I think that the starting point that, that we looked at as partners is to go, um, we did a bit of forecasting. So we looked across our client base and said, what are the categories that will be immediately affected? food, retail, automotive, a few others. Um, and what are the categories that are likely to go up? Um, I've mentioned banking and a few others. Um, and then what you do is a bit of an analysis with each client. I think naturally you will have shrinkings in some places and you'll uh, that is you know set. So whatever your profit expectations or revenue expectations at the beginning of the year, you got to start from scratch because you don't know what's going to happen. So um, as partners locally, we obviously looked at that and everyone was aligned in that. So it wasn't really a difficult conversation. The priority was keeping our staff in jobs and keeping everyone earning um, their full income. And what that means is you've got to reprioritize cash flow. Um, and, and you know, we are saving uh, on not traveling. We are saving on not uh, having lunches uh, and all that kind of thing. So instead of taking that money, you know, uh, down to the bottom line, you reprioritize it to um, the right place. Um, and that's sort of what we did. So it wasn't easy. And I think it's not also over yet. We don't know what the months to come will bring. Um, but for now, it's been um, just reprioritizing expectations for the year. And everyone was aligned on that because um, the fact that we're able to operate is, is already a lot better than 99% of, of businesses right now. Yeah, so just off the back of that, uh, something I've been talking a lot about to a lot of small businesses is the idea of a recovery curve um, that most of us, when this started, thought that it would look like a U, that we'd end lockdown and go back to 100% and it would be fine. Um, and I was very cautious to tell people that that's just not the case. It's going to be a slow recovery back to a new 100%. You're never going to go back to the 100% you had before. So what is your plan look like for this recovery curve uh, and i mean yeah. i'm quite literal here is it three months six months 12 months 18 how are you planning because a lot of the entrepreneurs i know are going this will be fine in three months and i'm like no 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 we're looking at 18 months here so how are you guys looking at that 
look, there, there's there's the known and the unknown, and we're planning around the known and trying to put you know scenario plan around the unknown. The known for us right now is you know we are ultimately an ad agency's revenue comes from um, clients and it comes from clients' ability to spend um, and the clients you know willingness to to use your services, maybe not in advertising, but in, in helping them think through this. You know, we're doing a lot of consultancy work at the moment that isn't resulting in ads. It's just resulting okay. in helping people rethink things. So I think we, we always take an annual view on forecasting and we meet then uh, quarterly and monthly. Um, and so we're planning on a monthly basis, to be honest with you, looking at in that month, what, what clients have been affected, what is the knock-on effect um, to our ability, our revenue uh, uh, earning. And therefore, what does that mean? Um, so we're, we're having to plan both long-term and short-term. I think in terms of the recovery curve, it's going to depend entirely on the phasing of lockdown and what that means for clients. By and large, we're seeing most of our, because we've uh, our, our focus is always on having a broad set of clients, not over-indexing on industries. That's our sort of client strategy. So we're not like uh, on, on retail and now there's no retail, so we're in trouble. You know, we go, financial services, e-commerce, retail, et cetera. So now take a lot, you know, one of our big clients in, in Cape Town that we've had from their founding, they're now going to be leading the charge and being able to fully sell again. So we're going to be doing a lot of work. With them. Um, but financially planning annually, quarterly, and then every month looking at things going, what does this mean? I don't think we can go too much further ahead than that. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so Dave did ask another question that I'm going to kind of piggyback on. Um, so this new idea of a work environment, uh, everyone thinks remote work is the future. Everything's going to be like that forever. And I, look, fundamentally, I don't agree. I think there is no ways Vodacom, MTN, Standard Bank, Old Mutual are all of a sudden going to go, fine, don't come back in. We don't need to see you. So yeah. what is it like for you? Is your plan to stay remote? Um, cool. Is your team pushing for that? Uh, what's the idea? Cool. So I think, uh, in summary, I think we will be in a fixed and flexible model going forward. I think it's the only way to do it. And there are two, there, there are two parts of this answer. The one is physically, what are we going to do during crisis? And then what are we going to be doing from the learnings of that in, in back in an ideal world? So I'll answer both. Yeah. And in crisis, the thing we've adopted is we are able to operate from home and we are going to continue to do so for now. Uh, there are some office critical people, such as IT, who need to go in and, and look at servers and stuff. So they can, but we'll never go above twenty percent occupation, and it's all managed really tightly through sheets and and all that kind of thing. Um, then, when we emerge from this, um, and we, I think we're going to look at a fixed and flexible model. Some people are are loving working from home and are enjoying the productivity. Uh, some are are really struggling and want to be there in person. So we haven't really plotted out the, the exact policy yet, but for me, it's likely to be things like looking at um, the things you need to be in the office for and the things you don't. Um, core hours and flexible hours. You know, How can we enable parents in the morning to drop their kids at school and do whatever they need to do and then come in at 10 and then work till a little bit later or work an hour tonight? I'm, you know, we're output based. I'm not interested in really managing people's time at all. Um, yeah. As like saying, I'm not one for efficiency. I'm one for effectiveness. So if you can do your job for the day in an hour, well done. Have a great day. Yeah, yeah. hundred percent agree. Um, I, I I'm doing a talk, a keynote at the moment, and one of the things I focus on is we judge people by attendance and not performance, and that's fundamentally flawed. I don't Perfect. need to see you to know that you're doing your job. I need to see the output and then reward you for that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad to hear that. That's impressive. Um, 
then I want to talk a bit broadly now about the the world of agencies. Um, it's been ripe for disruption for a while. The big word of innovation and stagnation, uh, disruption, all these synergistic crappy words. But it is happening, right? It is happening now. Um, so what does the world of the agency look like after this? Does it look different at all? Maybe it doesn't. So I think the the place to start is probably the agency business model. Um, I think what we've adopted is uh, a strategy of breadth to go. We want to be able to answer and serve clients in any part of, of the marketing business, not just advertising. So we have a we have a PR business, we have a marketing consultancy business, we have a digital business, uh, and we have an events and activation business. So. All of those are going through different, you know, the events and activation business right now is, you know, there's no events. <laughs> so, you know, you're looking at things like uh, virtual events, uh, which is fascinating. Yeah. And being able yeah. to have people from all over the world engaging in a branded piece of, of event online. So that's already changed that's happened, happened to that business. Maybe mm-hmm. clients are not going to be spending as much as they wanted to on throwing these big events or sponsoring horse races. Maybe they want to get people together online to meet really meaningful engagements. That's one thing. I think in terms of the agency world, the one thing that I'm, I'm concerned about is uh, the small independent agencies who are tight on cash flow uh, and who might have had you know, a few clients um, stop business altogether because um, the small independents are part of, of what makes the magic. You know, they're the rebels. They're the ones who have their own rules. Um, and I really hope as many of them get through this as possible because, uh, you know, they, they bring something to the industry. And I think your big global conglomerates, so your WPPs of the world, um, you know, I, I feel for people leading those companies here because you really aren't really in control of your business here. You get an email from London and New York to go globally, hire, freeze, contract, go to four-day weeks, take a 20% pay cut, and it's quite rough. Wow. So, yeah. um, you know, I think… I Is think that actually what's happening? Well, yeah, there, there, are, there, are, there are there are agencies, you know, I, I can't speak for them, but there are agencies who have gone to four-day weeks or have done um, pay cuts across the group because, um, you know, they have various financial commitments to PLCs oh. and, and yeah. verbals. That's difficult. I think the agencies that will weather this the best are the large independent agencies, um, the ones who have some, some financial stability um, but have control over their decision-making. So I'll give you an example. One of the things we, we did was to say, Yes, we're going to prioritize staff um, earning their full salaries, but equally, you know, staff will have spouses or family members that, that financially rely on them or that are financially impacted. So we released, we, we launched a, a staff fund. And what that is is a, a, a lot of money for our people that if we know you're, you're all right, but if you are financially um, impacted through a spouse, then you can sort of speak to us and, and we'll do what we can to help you. Oh, that's amazing. Well done. So... You know, that, all of that is changing. I think the, the part of the agency world that I'm uh, most interested in seeing is the freelance um, model because we were seeing great growth in that year. Um, you know, people going, I actually just want to work on the clients, the projects that I want to in my own time. So we're seeing really talented credit people going freelance. What this has done is, is I think, thrown things into two places. One, those who... Um, Will, will want to come back into permanent employment to go, hey, this thing is uncertain. Like, I'd like a job right now, you know? Like, people aren't hiring everywhere. I, let me do this permanent thing. Um, but yeah. the reverse of that is the pull factor from the industry where agencies might go, 
I'm going to commit less to all these fixed costs because it's really expensive when I don't know what my client revenues are. And that might yeah. force more to freelance. I think that's a really interesting piece of the puzzle to, to see where it goes. Um, but largely, I think uh, the output uh, you know, remains. The need for creativity is more clear than ever before. Imagine going through lockdown without the arts, without books, without music. Uh, you know, everyone, you know, every DCOM graduate now has a BA graduate that they love, I can promise you. So it's like, you know, you, uh, the arts have got us through this. So uh, creativity is more important. And it's amazing to see how people have used creativity as their own coping mechanism. You look at TikTok and all these things, it's been amazing. Um, oh, it's, it's- man, I'm so obsessed with TikTok. If you've been on a live stream of mine before, follow me at yeah. McCarry. I'm obsessed with that freaking app. It's insane yeah. how creative people are. That thing is nuts. No, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And, and at a young age as well. Um, like yeah. stuff that we do at 10 years old, I promise you. Dude, I think it's such a great observation that, and, and it's not something that's penetrated my brain consciously, but that the arts are the thing getting us through this. It's not work. It's not sitting and staring at your uh, screen or your walls. It's reading, it's writing, it's movies, it's Netflix, it's music. And I've been amazed at how many um, famous artists have jumped on and sat in their home and just streamed live to entertain people. So yeah, it's a great observation. Something I didn't, didn't consider. Yeah. The arts, man. Um, So I think the final major topic that I want to cover is marketing in a time of crisis. If I have to hear that statement one more time, never waste a good crisis, I'm going to jump out of my window. Um, But that doesn't apply to everyone. I think that average marketers who do marketing in crisis will feel the wrath of their audience um, and the excellent marketers will fly. So like, what's your way in here on marketing in times of crisis? Yeah. So like I was saying earlier, every every business is in a different context. Um, and that ultimately determines what you should be doing or not doing at this time. Uh, you know, we, like I was saying earlier, clients like Nando's, they have a credible voice at this time. People want to hear from them. Mm-hmm. Um, other businesses who uh, are jumping on the bad wagon and are, are, are sort of adding to what I call just pandemic fluff, which is let's all hold hands, sing Kumbaya, and get through this unprecedented time. It's like I don't yeah. need... My choice of ketchup telling me that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get through it with my ketchup. I, you know, like my my, my toilet <laughs> doesn't need to save whales. It doesn't need to do that. You know? so I think, um, I think the, those who are sort of uh, jumping at it opportunically as a, ooh, people care about stuff, we care about stuff, you know, you, you're going to get burnt. But there are many brands who have a really credible role to play. And I think that the important thing is looking at the difference between ads and acts. So what are you doing? Not what are you just saying? Um, Because if you're saying stuff, my question to you is, why are you spending that money on advertising? Why don't you use it to help uh, workers, unemployed, the homeless, etc.? So, you know, we've done, Nando, something we've never done before. We, we, We teamed up with... Uh, with competitors, with McDonald's and KFC, and together all donated food. That's something we've never done before, but it's an act. We didn't do an ad. Uh, Headspace have made uh, their premium offering available to all who've been entrenched. Those yeah. are ads. They're not ads. And those are the things that I'm really in support for. There are very few brands who should really be spending massive amount of money on things that aren't tangibly helping people right now. Is the truth. Yeah, my, my the example that comes to mind is uh, all the uh, 
supermarkets got together and took out that full page ad um, yeah. all together. Like that's the kind of intelligent, soft touch EQ marketing that's going to matter going forward. And I think this is broadly an interesting topic um, that I think we're shifting. John Sane and I have had a conversation about this um, privately that we're shifting from an IQ to an EQ kind of world. That yes, you have to be smart, but that doesn't, that just gets you in the game. Now it's about soft touch. It's about making sure that you understand the room you walk into before you just shout the loudest. And I think that's what a lot of advertising and marketing is going to miss in the next six months. For me, that that that's I think that's been a, a reality of of many of many years. You know, EQ. I'll give you one for your book, and it's also shifting to CQ, which is curiosity quotient. Um, here we go, boys. Nice. Yeah, got you. I'll, I'll quote you. Don't worry. <laughs> so I think um, you know the empathy is yeah it's. It's just a given. I saw, uh, you know, these ridiculous LinkedIn opinion people who just say non, like talk absolute nonsense. One was, yeah. uh, they based on the crisis, twenty twenty year is going to be the aid, the year of the customer. I was like, what year has it been for? Like, it isn't the year of the customer. You know what I mean, what are you talking about? So, um, yeah. you know, future is for me. I like some of my worst people ever. <laughs> now, listen, that's a whole nother live stream. Let's talk about that. Um, okay, so my, my last real question, uh, if you are still with us, ask any questions. Last few minutes, we've got some, pop some questions in there. But my last question is, um, what do you think marketing looks like after this? Um, you know, and I, I don't necessarily mean the big box marketers who are going to still do TV and still do radio, but like, what are the clever things that are emerging um, that are going to really take flight in the next six to 12 months, if there's anything? I mean, if not, that's cool. That's that's an opinion on its own. Oh, sure. Um you know, increasingly, the my view on this thing is is the the trap between uh, what could we do and what should we do. Um, okay. There are more and more technologies, more and more platforms, more and more things we can do every year, um, and we should always look at those things to investigate them. But they should never be our starting point. You know, new things we can do. Our starting point has got to come back to the basic stuff. Do you understand your customer? Do you actually understand them and the role you play in their lives? Yes or no? If you don't, I can give you every technology on earth. You're not going to meaningfully connect with people. So get the basics right. Understand what role do you play in people's lives, especially now. People, circumstances have changed and the role you play in people's lives has changed. So be clear on that articulation. And, and, and once you're clear on that, then you can communicate that powerfully in many ways. And, and that's then about, you know, looking at, you know, is, is certain social media the best way for me to do it? Is it traditional channels? Who knows? Uh, one of the fascinating things for me in the UK is the largest spender on TV advertising uh, is e-commerce companies, um, specifically wow. Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. Um, and it's, it's, it's almost like they don't have a credible uh, channel of their own to communicate. It's weird for me. It's like when Facebook... So crazy trust issues and Mark Zuckerberg was getting grilled at Capitol Hill. They took out ads on the tube and full page press ads on the evening standard. And that told me a lot about their, their you know, the trust of the medium. So yeah. it's not about new versus old. It's about blend and understanding how you mix uh, what we've done and what we can do um, in the best way. Yeah, I mean, again, such obvious, such simple stuff, but it's things that I'm continually relearning um, yeah. just watching people around me who have really reacted well to find their target audience now and just exploding in a niche community because they understand their customer. And it doesn't matter what platform you're on. If you understand your customer, they'll come to you. They'll come to you wherever you are. 
So yeah, man, great advice. Um, so there was one question that we left from the audience um, from Akira. What are your thoughts on an airline communicating with customers about precautionary med- measures that we'll take when flights begin again? Is it too soon? Is it uh, too premature or not? Mm. That's an interesting question. Um, mm. I think specific, but interesting. Specific. Um, I think the, the thing is, when you have something to communicate, then please do, uh, especially as an airline. I think people want to know that. I'm just not sure uh, we're in a position yet, unless you are, as an airline, to know when that's going to be and what it's going to be like. So are planes going to be uh, places of physical distancing? Uh, is it going to be, you know, so less people on planes? Is it going to be, you have to be pre-screened and pre-tested before you can fly? I think we need to figure out what the conditions are and then absolutely communicate. So if you have them now, I'm sure people would love to hear about it. I've seen articles from we're not going to fly for a year to three years. It's going to take four years to check in. So I think uh, there's a gaping hole in information there right now and where there's, a vacancy, people will always add conspiracies. So if you're in a position to communicate about flying, I personally would love that. Um, so please do. I don't think you should ever hold back if you've got the information. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so in closing, um, final statements to anyone listening, anything you want to say that you haven't, um, go for it. Yeah, I think just, uh, yeah, I think well, how many people there? 55 people are. I think, yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining. And um, if there are any other sort of questions, feel free to reach out. Um, not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, but otherwise, yeah. Where, just wish, just where can people your, find you? Uh, I think the best place to ask me a question is probably on LinkedIn um, in my inbox, and I can engage with you properly. Um, I only tweet about Arsenal and like stuff that makes me laugh. I don't get engaged in anything negative on Twitter. So sorry about That's that. That's why I've, I've muted you on Twitter. I don't care about yeah, Arsenal. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I don't um, so yeah, and obviously just depending on whatever business or industry you're in, wishing you well and 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 all the best through through the sun. Cool. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Uh, really interesting conversation. This will be on my YouTube channel. Uh, like Fahim, please find me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm spending most of my time. One dedicated channel. That's where my audience is. Um, and Fahim, uh, have a good weekend, man. Thanks, dude. Great to chat to you. Bye, Serena. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to that live recorded webinar episode. That is one of the series of curiously quarantined episodes that I have made available to you while I record season two of the Curious Cult Show, which will be focused on starting something. That season comes out really soon. So please keep a lookout for that. If you liked this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Please share, like, review, and give us some love anywhere you can think of on the interwebs.